Hi, I'm Katrina Ingram. Welcome to Back to School Again, the show for midlife learners recorded at the Norquest College Innovation Studio. We talk with midlife learners about their educational journey, sharing their stories about how they are balancing the demands of school, work, and family, and where they hope their educational pursuits will take them. I'm here today with Gordon Holub. Gordon is a recent Norquest College graduate in the Community Support Worker Program, and he's currently employed with Ambrose Place, where he's part of a team that provides support services, primarily to people of Indigenous descent in a culturally sensitive and safe environment. Gordon, welcome, and congratulations on your recent graduation. Well, thank you, Katrina. Gordon, you have such an inspiring story of overcoming a lot of really tough challenges and things in your past to get to uh, where you are today. And I want to focus most of our time on where you're going now. But I think if we could quickly touch on your past, it would really help bring some context to your career choices as a community support worker. Now, you were a survivor of the 60s scoop. And I have to admit, that's a term that I hadn't heard of until I started putting our notes together for our talk today. Um, and I'm just wondering if you're comfortable sharing a bit about that experience and how it shaped your early life. Well, it made it pretty tough for me when I was in grade school there. Uh, right near the end of the grade school, or I started getting into my addictions already by then. Uh, you know, I was uh, getting tired. I, I was getting beat up every day, you know, called names. There was, you know, all kinds of stuff, right? And, you know, parents say, hey, well, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. Well, that's not true. Those, those names do hurt you. And I stayed in my addictions till I was about 52 years old, and that's when I cleaned up. And I started looking for a new career. Because, uh, you know, all those years I was in my addictions, I needed to, uh, I took so much, right? I took from whoever didn't matter, right? Now I want to give back to my communities. Yeah. And and when this was going on, I know that you've been in Edmonton for, for six years now, but whereabouts did you grow up and, and where have you lived in your life? Uh, I grew up in Calgary. And then I, let's see, where did I go after that? I think I went to Winnipeg for about five years. Then uh, back to around the Calgary, Strathmore. Um, then I moved out to Hannah. Right. And that's where I came from uh, with my addictions. Brought me to uh, St. Albert up at Powermakers there. Yeah. And I imagine, I mean, it sounds really isolating, like this whole experience that you were going through. It and was, yeah. Was that kind of what led into your addiction, some, some of that sense of isolation or just trying to... Well, it helped me escape, right? You know, I yeah. didn't have to uh, deal with people. You know, right. I just hated people. Yeah. You know, I hadn't, you know, I even started hating my own race, right? And uh, at one time, you know, because there's prejudices in the family, right? And, you know... That even rubbed off on me a bit, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it sounds like a really just, uh, I can't even imagine like how challenging that must have been. Um, and to go through that, you know, as, as a child, um, you know, you've, you've shared that you've struggled a lot with addictions for quite a long time. And, you know, during, during the time as an adult, you're working in a lot of different jobs as a laborer. Um, and you also said you eventually beat your addictions. And, you had this point in your early 50s, you came to this kind of big life decision turning point. Tell us about that time in your life. What was going on for you? Well, I was battling with uh, suicide attempts, and uh, that's why you know, I had a, 
addiction counselor come visit me at a hospital, you know, uh, every day. You know, that's what surprised me. He came every day that I was in the hospital, right, just to talk to me, right? And he came from Drumheller, which is about, uh, I don't know, about an hour out of Hannah, right? So, anyways, the last time I talked to him, he said, what do you want to do? You live or die, right? So, I chose life, and he got me into Palm Makers, and... It wasn't right away. I had to wait a couple of weeks, but, you know, so I, you know, the hospital didn't even want to let me out of the hospital anymore, right? They were getting tired of me coming back, right? So I stayed there until the night before. I think it was the day before, and then they let me out because I had to go pack and everything else, right? So and I drove myself into treatment. Wow. And how did you, how did you even get connected to this person who came to see you every day, who drove an hour each day to come and see you? Uh, how did I meet that guy? I must have met him because I tried attempts of uh, getting sober before, right? So I, I'm sure I talked to him somewhere along that line in Hannah, right? So mm-hmm. he came there once a week uh, to talk to the other people, right? So Right. And, and then he heard about me in the hospital and he came by and yeah. helped me through it. Yeah. And so do you mind sharing a bit more about that that process? What was it like um getting sober, overcoming your addiction? What was that process like? Oh, that was tough. You know, uh, I never knew about my heritage. Uh, so when I went to Palm Makers, it's spiritually based, indigenous based. Um, they have a smudge room there and everything else, right? And that's where I started learning about a heritage. It was a Plains Creeway, but, you know, it was something to connect to, right? Yeah. That's where I started uh, learning about the indigenous people again, right? So... Yeah, and what what is your particular heritage? What's your background? I'm from uh, uh, a band called Shushwap Band in Invermere, BC. Oh well, I know Shushwap. I'm from BC as well. So. Uh, it's nowhere near the interior. It's in the East Kootenays. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in the East Kootenays. So uh, I'm, right I'm from Creston, uh, oh. so I, I relate to uh, to that part of the world for sure. Oh, that's beautiful there. Yeah, it sure is. Well, when I was out there, I was in my addiction, so I wasn't very well liked because I brought it with me, right? So, Right. So you, you went through this um, really challenging process. Um, you were able to get some help. You were able to overcome your addictions. And and then something led to your decision to attempt to access the post-secondary school system. Tell us about yes. that. Uh, well, I was wandering around downtown looking at different colleges. I went to Robertson. I went to... Uh, I forget the other one down there behind the Telus building. I went over to meet you and here and everything else. And every place I went to, there's nobody to talk to, right? You know, I have to make an appointment, come back later, right? And uh, at the time, you know, I wanted to get done, eh? So I walked into Northwest, eh? And, you know, I sat around and talked to the front desk. Half an hour later, I'm seeing a, a navigator, right? And, you know, it helped plan, you know, right then and there. It helped me plan out a career, right? So... <laughs> You know, it was a pretty uh, easy uh, easy thing to do when I got through these doors here. Yeah, and that was, I mean, as I was looking into um, what was a navigator um, at NorQuest, I learned that this is a pretty unique thing. And I know that you're pretty familiar with, um, with that program, having accessed it initially to join NorQuest. Uh, but I also know that when you became a student here, you were quite involved with uh with that service. So do you want to share more about that? Uh, sure. You know, when I became a student here, uh, there used to be this girl, she used to bump in me every day, you know, and, and finally I says, hey, who are you, right? And she told me she was Elizabeth 
and she's uh, the RBC mentorship liaison, right? So I says, hey, okay, cool. So she got me to join up. So I was in that for a little while, and I got into the ambassadors. Then uh, I think it was uh, my second year here. Yeah, my second year I got into the student association. And through that process, uh, I was uh, a student appointed to the Board of Governors, which is kind of cool, you know. That's a big thing. That is a big thing. Tell, tell us more about what it was like to be a student representative um, with all of the people that were on the Board of Governors, because that sounds pretty pretty prestigious. It was. It was intimidating, too, right? You know, I was scared the hell out of me. I didn't know what to expect or nothing, right? You know, because yeah. I've been out of school for, holy cow, over, you know, 40 years, right? So... A year is too short a time to get involved with the Board of Governors. They're going to try and bump it up to two years. So at least you can get the, the, the right feel for the place, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I want to go back to um, talking about the Indigenous Student Services Center just a little bit because it sounds like you had a lot of post-secondary institutions that you visited and they didn't really have the appropriate support systems in place. I wonder um, how important was it to you to be able to access support from someone from a similar cultural background or somebody who could really understand you? Did that really make a difference for you? Uh, not really. At the time, I was just a person, right? Okay. So, and you know, it just helped me out, right? And helped me uh, figure out what I was looking for, right? And you know, I told her a bit of my story and uh, went from there, right? And so we came up with a community support work program. So I had to get some upgrading. So I did uh, two years of upgrading to get to my 30-2 English, and then I got into the program. And what was it about that program, that community support worker program, that, that caught your attention? Why did you choose that? Well, it puts me in the front lines, right? You know, I'm right there, right? Like. Like where I work, eh? you know, I'm a caregiver with uh, some Indigenous people. And, uh, yeah, it's very it's enjoyable. I like doing it, right? So, yeah. you know, it's giving back to my community, right? You know, I do other things. I volunteer, you know. Uh, I volunteer with the uh, kaleidoscopes, uh, heritage, uh, fast, heritage Days, stuff like that, right? So Wonderful. I want to talk a bit more. I'm going to dive into the Community Support Worker Program what are the kinds of things that you learned in the program? What was the program like? Maybe tell us how long it was and what kind of people you met during the program. It was a, it's a two-term uh, program, uh, and there's four different uh, parts of it. You know, you can either get into uh, the Indigenous or you can get into the Elderly, Disabled, and uh, I forget what the other one was, but yeah, I went with the Indigenous part of it. So the first term was just getting the basics down, right? How to fill out a form and stuff like that, right? And uh, learn a bit about that. And then the second term, uh, that's when it started changing, right? That's when I went into the Indigenous part of it. And I had two classes that were Indigenous-based. So we got to know the history and and what's going on today, right? So that made it really, you know, intrigued me right and the instructors I had were fantastic right you know, you know I just can't say enough for the instructors here right well, they helped me out quite a bit you know there's a small class right and you're able to get that one-on-one -on -one that a person needs right how when you say small class how many people approximately are we talking about 25 people you uh, know so yeah it's not too bad right and some of the classes were even down to 10 right so mm -hmm. 
I'm curious to know, because we, we talked earlier about how you, you kind of got really disconnected from your culture to the point where, where maybe you were ashamed of your culture, or you didn't feel that you wanted to be part of that culture, and then you really got connected back to it. Tell me about, like, what was that like for you personally? Well, personally, um, you, know, um, you know, I was always called the drunken Indians, or then that's what I became, right? You know, uh, the one that's laying on the street, the one that's, you know, causing trouble and stuff like that, right? That's how I got really hard into my addictions, right? And then um, then something, you know, when I got cleaned up and went into that spiritual place there, you know, they really changed my mind on the whole thing, right? That's where I started connecting totally with, my, with the culture, right? So I wanted to know more, and I did get more. And it was fantastic, uh, and what I've learned along that way. You know, I found myself, you know, which is what I had to do. Yeah. Was there was there any one thing that stood out for you in, in learning about your culture and reconnecting to it um, that you might want to share with us? Um, something that, you know, either inspired you, surprised you, or? Well, I like the spiritual the spirituality of it, right? And I work part-time as a, a smudge man at a church service every Sunday, right? And uh, I'm the bridge between uh, the church and the indigenous culture right now. And bringing that uh, spirituality into the that service is, you know, it's really changed the people down there. And I, it's out of the, I work out of the Bissell, right? So, yeah, I've noticed a big change in all the people. Now they're starting to come up and talk to me because they know who I am now. And, yeah. you know, it's, <laughs> it blew me away. Yeah. You talk a lot about the importance of being on the front line. Can you can you tell us more about that? Why is that important to you to be on the front line? Well, I don't you know. It's I needed a job where I didn't have to do all that physical labor, right? So I needed some kind of a either a desk job or you know a caregiver like I am right now. Um, I'll probably change that down the road here soon with my education, right? I'm just finishing out the summer here and. And from there, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. Probably look for getting into housing or something, you know, helping indigenous culture find housing, right? So indigenous peoples. Let's talk a bit about your journey returning to school as a midlife person. So you were in your (laughs) 50s when you came back, and you were sharing that many of your other uh, classmates were were a bit younger than that. Um, I know I had a lot of anxiety about going back to school in midlife. Um, I had a lot of fears and doubts. And I'm wondering if you experienced any of that. And, and if you did, how did you deal with it? Totally. I know, um, I always many times I wanted to quit, you know, even break down a bit, right? But uh, there's so much support here. You know, it's, there's uh, the health and wellness, man. Holy cow. There, there's lots of services here that uh you know, if you're struggling with anything, there's help for you here, right? That's what I like about this college, right? You know, there's, you know, if you're going through anything, there's somebody there that knows something about it and can help you, or, you know, you know, change, help, yeah, help you get through it anyways, right? You know, um, but yeah, it was overwhelming at first, right? You know, but when I started meeting people, it was, it got a little easier, you know, um, until, you know, Holy cow, my face is all over this place, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's us and that's the strange part, right? You know. Me, you know, I'm up in a big picture, right? So yeah. it felt kinda nice. 
And what about your your fellow students? Like, what was your relationship like with uh, with these folks who were, you know, quite a bit junior than, than yourself? Did you did you take on a parental role with them, or, or what, what was your I relationship? I took on a like? mentor role with them. You know, uh, you know, I, they learned quite a bit from me, and, and I learned from them. Right? You know, uh, a lot of my classmates were uh, international students. Right? You know, and they had no idea what had happened here, right, until they got into this course, you know, and even myself, right, I didn't know the whole story on uh, on this, you know, the truth and reconciliation and all that, right, 60s scoop, you know, I never heard all that stuff until, you know, recently. That's interesting that, that you hadn't heard that, because I felt, when I hadn't heard about it, I thought... I must be missing something here. I, you know, I'm sure this was, you know, out there and I just missed it personally. Um, and I think that just speaks to, you know, how history, how history is told, right? And through who gets to tell that story. Well, I'm sure, you know, what they teach in school is, you know, nothing like what the real story was, right? You know, and when I started finding that out, you know, I, yeah, I need to, to start helping, right? And that's the only way I can help is by doing what I'm doing right now, you know, being a mentor and, you know, even helping the people I work with, right? So. Yeah. So during this time that you were going through your program, what what were the what was the thing that you found the most challenging? Uh, that'd be learning the truth about everything, right? You know, uh, even up north, the the, uh, the Inuit, right? You know, holy cow, man! You know, it's tough to live up there, right? <laughs> You know, you see a jug of milk for 12 bucks, you know, that's, that's, holy cow. I don't know how they can live up there, right? You know, the high prices of our rent and food and everything else. Yeah, and the salaries don't really make up for that, no. right? Yeah. Now, NorQuest, I know, hosts an indigenous, uh, indigenous achievement ceremony to uh, celebrate students and, and their accomplishments. And you took part in that event this year along with 99 other graduates. How did you feel walking across the stage that night to accept your degree? Uh, I felt good, you know, uh, proud, yeah. you know, an accomplishment in my life, right? You know, first time I ever graduated anything, right? So. Yeah, and your family was there, I understand? Uh, just my granddaughter and... Her uh, boyfriend and my grandkids, my great grandkids, right? So, and some friends from Calgary. My mom came to the ceremony at the uh, uh, Windspear Center when I went across the stage there. That's great. They and must I, be really proud of you, I'm they sure. They were, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. You know, I even got uh, blanketed at when I was at the Indigenous ceremonies, right? That just blew me away. Okay, tell us more about blanketed. What, what does that mean exactly? Well, I was gifted a blanket from the elder. And then they wrap it around you, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was emotional for me, you know. Yeah. It brought that tear to the eye, right? And so my grandkids, she ran up there and you know hugged me. And then somebody brought up my the, the newest one, Harrison. He's six months old right now, and put him in my arms and got some pictures taken with the uh, with my great grandkids in a blanket. That was kind of cool. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Like to be able to share that experience with yes. your grandkids and your kids and your family. And I try to, you know, I pass on what I learned right to them, right? And yeah. hopefully they carry it on, you know, it's the way it works. Yeah. Let's, um, let's talk a bit about your job. Tell us what you're doing now. Well, right now, like I say, I'm working as a caregiver for Ambrose Place. Um, they got a house down in the south end of the city and I work for three adults. And, yeah, that's what I do, right, you know, and just make sure, you know, they don't burn down the place and, you know, <laughs> you know, help guide them too, right, into, you know, learning how to 
uh, do responsibilities, right? You know, like chores and you yeah. know, cleaning up after themselves and stuff like that, right? So yeah, it's I challenging. You know, they have uh, mental health issues too, right? So yeah. And how did you find your program prepared you uh, for uh, that experience right now for your for your work life? How did you find that the NorQuest program prepare you for that? Uh, it helps me with my reports now, right? <laughs> my reports are a lot better than were when I first started there, right? I, I started there a couple of years ago, actually, you know, just because I was in this program, they gave me a chance, and you know, I've been working casual part-time with them, and now I'm starting to get some pretty decent hours, some full-time hours, right? So Wonderful. What advice do you have, Gordon, for other folks who think perhaps it's too late for them to make life changes, like going back to school? Maybe they're facing similar hard challenges with addiction or other things that are difficult in their life, and they just don't see a way out or how things could be different. What would you say to those people? Mm. I'd say it's never too late for sure, you know, and I'd give them examples of myself, right? You know, how I've overcome everything, right? And you know, that's all they can do, right? Just and let them know what it's like and you know uh of course you're going to run into problems you know but like i say there's so much services here that you know it's hard to fail in this place right you know is there anything else that you want to share about your journey so far add to this conversation well let's see here from when i first cleaned up you know i wasn't really sure where i was going to go right and uh one day and I'm walking around, I walked by a college, right? And so I went and started checking them out. And that's exactly how I got into here, is just from just on a whim, right? So and that led me to here. And, you know, here I am now doing a podcast, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's been a, a fantastic experience. Um, it's taught me a lot. It's even uh, opened, my, uh, opened myself up to even more knowing who I am, right? And uh, to where I want to really go, and I'm going to try and make it back out to my res, you know, help them out if I can, right? You know, if there's some work out there, you know, it'd be great. Yeah. Is that in Hannah or where? No, it's out in Invermere. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. The shoe swap, yeah. of course. Of course. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, Gordon, you have such an amazing story. I just was so inspired by everything that I learned about you in preparing for our talk today. And I've really enjoyed meeting with you and talking with you and just learning more about your story. So thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Very welcome, Katrina. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's so rewarding to know you're actually making a difference in someone else's life. That's a feeling you can experience every day as a community support worker, providing frontline care to empower and support those in need. The Norquest College Community Support Worker Program equips you with the knowledge and skills to serve one of four distinct communities, immigrants and refugees, Indigenous peoples, individuals with disabilities, or older adults. You can focus your training to support the growth and development of individuals and families and help build stronger communities. Choose a career as a community support worker, and you can make a difference every day. Learn more at norquest.ca forward slash CSW. Now back to our show. I love stories about overcoming great adversity, about life transformation and finding a purpose beyond yourself, a version of the hero's journey. Gordon's story is so inspiring. It's also heartbreaking to be cut off from your culture and identity at such a young age, to face racism and labels, 
to battle addictions, to get to the point of contemplating ending it all. It was powerful and emotional listening to his story unfold. There were a lot of barriers he had to overcome before even thinking about educational goals. But he did it. And that alone would be huge. But then being in your 50s as well and the added stress of having been away from school for 40 years with only a grade 9 education to overcome all of that, it just makes you believe anything is possible. Gordon's story made me think about the role of education as a catalyst to exploring other parts of your life. There's the actual learning that happens within a program itself. There's coursework, you gain skills and knowledge, you earn a degree. All of that is important, and it forms the more tangible benefits that you get from education. But there's more than an academic setting can provide if you're willing to take advantage of it. In Gordon's case, a lot of that was about deepening his spiritual connection to his culture. He was able to do this through his program specialization, but also because Norquest College has amazing support systems for students, including a really incredible Indigenous Student Center. I was able to take a tour through it, and it's truly exceptional, both in terms of the physical space itself and the programs it offers. And Gordon also took full advantage of building community by volunteering. He was on student council, he was appointed to the Board of Governors, and I can only imagine his culture shock in taking on those roles. But again, even though it's kind of scary, he just embraced the opportunity. For every student, there are opportunities like this. It might look like internships, being a class representative, helping plan an event. And you might be thinking, how could I ever fit any of that into my already packed life? And maybe you can't. You know what's possible for you. But there are lots of opportunities available to build connections and community. And I would suggest, as someone a little older, you have so much to offer as a mentor. Last thing. I'm struck by my own lack of awareness about Indigenous culture, the 60s scoop, truth and reconciliation. It's shocking to me that I've lived in Canada my whole life. I'm a reasonably educated person, and I know so little about any of this. It just reminds me how much we live in our own bubbles, and it's even worse than ever before with social media filters. As a non-Indigenous person, it can feel super awkward to try and fumble your way through a conversation that touches on these elements because you don't want to inadvertently offend anyone. But I think if you are genuinely curious and ask honest questions, even if you accidentally say something inappropriate, you're at least surfacing a dialogue. And that feels more necessary than ever. If you're at all curious about learning more, check out the National Center for Truth and Reconciliation at nctr.ca. That's our show today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like the show, please give us a rating. It helps other people connect to us. You can reach me at backtoschoolagain.ca or at schoolagainpod on all the usual social channels. I'd love to hear your story. Back to School Again was recorded at the Norquest College Innovation Studio, located on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional homeland of First Nations and Métis peoples. A huge thanks to our sponsor, Norquest College, for supporting the show and to our talented technical producer, Corey Stroder. Back to School Again is proud to be affiliated with the Alberta Podcast Network. Find out more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. See you next time.